We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to The Core here on American Family Radio Network. Good to be with you today on the program. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. Good to be with you today on American Family Radio Network. We uh, broadcast programming 24-7, 365 days a year all over uh, the U.S. and around the world through the Internet, through the World Wide Web. We have 180 radio towers around the nation in 35-plus states. And, um, of course, we broadcast on our website, AFR.net, and on the AFR app as well. And then we're live streaming the video as we do each day. We live stream the video, streaming.afa.net. Yep, that's our own website, streaming.afa.net. That's our own video platform. You can go there. Create a free account and watch The Core live and past episodes of The Core. And then, of course, uh, we are on Facebook as well. At The Core is on Facebook. Just type in AFA At The Core or At The Core or my name in uh, Facebook, and you'll be able to find the page there and uh, watch the Facebook live video. We are uh, in 2023. can't believe we're already here and uh, heading towards uh, February. But we're still in January 2023, and a lot of news to cover this week. We'll have Chris Woodward in with us in the last segment as we do each Friday. And uh, until then, we're going to cover some important news stories uh, that that are of concern for the body of Christ. And we're going to do it all from a biblical worldview. That's our our starting point, if you will. Hey, uh, this week we're focusing on preborn. That's our campaign we're doing this week. Preborn is the ministry that we partner with each year to provide free ultrasounds for women, not people, women, right? God created us male and female, so we're providing ultrasounds for women and babies that need them, all right? We're providing free ultrasounds for women and for the little babies that uh, want to be seen. Don't we all want to be seen? Uh, The babies want to be seen, too, whether they know it or not. Uh, God created us uh, to be seen. 28 bucks will provide one woman a uh, ultrasound, one free ultrasound, $28. Talk about an investment, an excellent investment. $140 provides five ultrasounds. Uh, provide, uh, that provides five ultrasound sessions, uh, reaching up to five women with the message of life. So if you want to donate, go over to AFR.net. We still got the donate form up there. AFR.net, AFR.net, 877-616-2396. That's a phone number. If you're a little bit old school, you want to call in and talk to a human, you can do it. 877-616-2396, 877-616-2396, or AFR.net. You know, I talked about it earlier in the week, but there's all kinds of things we can do with our money. And uh, talk about giving, I mean, giving a mom a free ultrasound? I mean, for, for, for some of us, you know, we might take it for granted. Well, you know, of course, we all get ultrasounds. But 
folks, not everybody has access and has the resources to get uh, multiple ultrasounds for their baby. And so that's what Preborn does is they partner with these pregnancy centers and they, they get the ultrasounds to the moms and the moms don't have to worry about, you know, filing their own insurance, paying cash, the whole nine yards. They don't have to worry about it. They just come in, get the ultrasound, get a picture of their baby and choose life. And we're doing that, folks, for 30 bucks. I mean, 28 bucks, technically 28, but let's just round it off. 30 bucks is providing a free ultrasound for a mom and a baby. And statistically speaking, because numbers do matter, 85% of women who go into these ultrasounds and have questions in their mind about, what am I going to do with this baby? I wasn't expecting to have a child. 85% of women who have doubts, who have questions, who are unfortunately considering abortion, they change their mind. 85% of them change their mind when they see their baby's beating heart. So support preborn, AFR.net, AFR.net, AFR.net. Go ahead and do it, and uh, let's support these women and babies that uh, want to choose life. Uh, Jumping into some of the stories I want to make sure we get to, you know, what we face in a in America is a a moral crisis. We face a moral crisis and our and we are living in whether we like it or not, whether we want to admit it or not. We're living in a Romans 1 society. Go read Romans 1 if you haven't. We are living in a Romans 1 society. Wrong is called right. Uh, uh, wrong is called right. Right is called wrong. You speak up and speak the truth, and you get shouted down. And when you stand up and speak lies, you get applauded. That's what we're living in in American society today. Do we wish it were different? Sure, we wish it were different. We wish it weren't so. But this is where we are. We, in, we are in a serious state of moral decay And my grandfather started this ministry warning us of this day, and here we are. Now, now, has the body of Christ staved off the darkness? Absolutely we have. We continue to fight the darkness. But darkness, to a certain degree, is prevailing, at least in American society, broadly speaking, especially amongst our legal cultural, and entertainment landscape. And so we, ha- we, we can't gloss over the issues. we got to hit the issues hard, and that's what we do here on the core and across the whole network. We hit the issues hard. We hit them honestly, and that's how we got to address the issues. So that's what we're going to do today. So uh, listener discretion advised. I was going to say viewer. You could be viewing the show, streaming.afa.net. But viewer or listener discretion advised, we're going to talk about a pretty sensitive topic this segment in the last few minutes we have left about sexual deviancy. And so, uh, parents, you've been warned. This, this, this drift in, in American culture of accepting very devious behavior, sexually I'm speaking, is at a point that we haven't seen in America historically. And we've seen we've seen uh, iterations of this or phases of this or stages of this where you have 
you know, back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, you had the push to normalize sodomy, if you will, to make it acceptable, culturally acceptable to be um, homosexual, make it culturally acceptable to, you know, uh, fornication, to have uh, a sexual relations outside of the bonds of marriage. And then th- that bleeds into adultery and, and being uh, uh, unfaithful to your spouse. It bleeds into that arena to where uh, people that are that, that commit adultery aren't uh, shamed. They aren't ostracized. They aren't called out. Uh, they are, you know, told that do whatever you want to do, right? And so, so we're in a very moral uh, decaying society. And I came across this story, and we just can't not talk about it. It's out of townhall.com. We'll link to it on the podcast page. Viewer discretion is advised. Reader discretion is advised. But it outlines this very depraved a homosexual pedophile ring that got busted up in Georgia last year made like headlines like a day or two hasn't been talked about since amongst mainstream media conglomerates but it it outlines the drift the real life drift and in this story it's very heart-wrenching and gut-wrenching, but a 9- and 11-year-old child, a 9-year-old child and an 11-year-old child were the victims here through the adoption process. So, so two homosexuals in Georgia were allowed to adopt two young boys, a 9-year-old and an 11-year-old now. That, that's how old they are now. They adopted them much younger. They are now the victims. They are now the victims. They were, they were prostituted out. They were sexually abused within the home. And finally, law enforcement got onto it, and now these, these two men are going to serve up to nine life sentences. But the, the, the reason I bring this up is because when you move away, even one step away from God's definition and God's plan for human sexuality, it opens the door to everything. The most depraved, inhumane acts that man can take, it opens the door to that when we say that God's plan is not enough or we don't like God's plan. And the immediate, the immediate thoughts when we say that there's an assault on God's design for human sexuality, there's an assault on God's design for one man and one woman to be married for life, when we say there's an assault on that, and then that is a, a, uh, a, a, a going to create a domino effect and open Pandora's box to all kinds of devious actions and victims, uh, immediately you think, well, okay, that means that, that maybe uh, – uh, a man might uh, 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 have an affair and, 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 and commit adultery or, you know, some adult might uh, commit homosexual acts, etc. But, but, folks, it goes way deeper and darker than that. Even, that's as, that's, even though that's very dark, biblically, what we see here, and this is where the whole move to, instead of calling someone a pedophile, they're, they're using this, these terms like minor attracted person. MAP, minor attracted person, they're trying to uh, destigmatize 
pedophilia. And folks, we got to connect the dots here. We have to connect the dots. All forms of sexual deviancy are interrelated. When a society, and even a legal system in this matter, moves away from one man, one woman, within the confines of a, of a covenant relationship, a civil marriage, a civil union, when you, when you move outside of that and say, well, there's other options, or there's other things, there's other types of relationships that the government's going to recognize and society's going to recognize, when you do that, it's, 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 it's the wild, wild west, so to speak. And so this is why all these issues are related, and this is why we talk about how marriage needs to be protected, how families need to be protected, how the government should not condone sexual deviancy. It's in, it's in, it's in society's best interest to uphold God's design for marriage and family, one man, one woman, for life. That's it. That's it. And we're seeing a decaying society, and we've been told the lie, live and let live. That's what we were told for years, live and let live. What we do doesn't affect you. There's no victims here. Oh, yes, there is. Read the story that I posted on the podcast page at AFR.net, the townhall.com three-part report. At least it's going to be a four-part when they release the fourth part. It's disgusting. It's dark. There's victims. And you can read this and say, well, uh, heterosexuals do dark things too. Well, yes, they do. And that's a good point. That's why we need the government to get back to one man, one woman, marriage, and that's it. There's no condoning, endorsing, and applauding anything else. Because it leads to victims. And it leads to spiritual and eternal darkness. And that's exactly what we should be against. We need to have policies, laws, etc. that affirm that which is right, that affirm that which is true, that which is good, and that which is best for human flourishing. Be back in a few. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the program. I'm Walker Wildman. Good to be with you today on this Friday edition of The Core. Hope you have a restful weekend and uh, spend some time with your family. Uh, That which we all need is quality time with our family. So we encourage you to do that each and every minute that you get. And we've uh, we got to invest in our families, folks. <clears throat> That's the only way we're going to rebuild this nation. We can talk about tax policy. We can talk about legislation. We can talk about all kinds of, of, of valuable topics and valuable approaches to uh, fixing some of the ills of society. But at the end of the day, folks... Uh, we've got to restore the family structure in America, and we've got a long way to go. Family is under assault. Family is being degraded. 
We've got to restore the biblical model of family in America, and we've got to do so over time with energy but with urgency. Because if we don't rebuild the biblical family structure in America, if we don't do that, then we're spinning our wheels. Think about it. Think about if if you if you if you if the if Satan successfully destroys the family in America, some could argue he already has, but I'm talking definitively. Then it's it's going to be near impossible to achieve the various objectives that we need to be achieving as as believers in America if there is no biblical family model and structure in America. I mean, you can talk about the crime rate. You can talk about joblessness, unemployment, welfare reform, uh, uh, illegal and illicit drug use, um, substance abuse, alcohol abuse, um, educational decline. I mean, you can go down the litany of issues that we face as a society, and they all link back to the family. Broken homes, broken families, fatherlessness, motherlessness are some of the leading causes of what we see today going on in society. So we get to get we got to get back to the mom and the dad raising and discipling and disciplining their children. Yes, I said it, disciplining their children. We got to get back to that starting point. From there, uh, we can do a lot of good, but we got to get back to that starting point. That's the way God designed it. The most uh, intimate uh, cultural um, uh, relational setting is uh, that in the in the family. That's what we got to get back to. Hey, I do want to get to a few more clips. So we we got this hockey player, and I, this actually happened about a week ago. But we got this hockey hockey player that plays for the NHL, and um, he uh, the team, uh, the hockey team, <clears throat> the Philadelphia Flyers. They were having. The same old, same old LGBTQ sexual deviancy pride game with the pride flag on their jersey. And there was one player, at least that's spoken up here, that said, I'm not going to do it. He said, I'm not wearing the sexual deviancy flag representing that movement. I'm not wearing it on my jersey. His name's Ivan Provorov. So he did a little little press conference after the game, and of course all the reporters, that's all they want to talk about. They don't want to talk about hockey or, you know, how about this play, man? No, they want to talk about the flag, the flag, the flag. And so uh, let's listen to this brief clip. This is clip four. This is the player saying, look, I have a, 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 a Christian Orthodox faith, and I don't want to wear the flag, and uh, you should respect that clip for. Everybody, I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. That's all I'm going to say. Any, uh, like I said, that's all I'm going to comment on that. Um, if you have any hockey questions, I would like I would answer those. Just, uh, Can you so with the game tonight, Ivan, um, obviously Kevin Hayes got a hat trick and uh, Erasmus' first goal of the season. Can you walk us through the emotion that the team was feeling in that? Yeah, for sure. 
All right, so there you have it. That's the player briefly answering reporters. And he looked, he says, I respect everybody, and I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. Although, I might add, I don't respect everybody's choices. Some people make bad choices, so they don't deserve respect. But nonetheless, that's a sidebar. Well, the media goes after him. They do the little frenzy thing. Act like the world's on fire. <clears throat> but but let's get we got we got two angles we can take here. All right, we can pull the whole, you know, freedom of association. And if you don't want to wear the flag, that's fine. You shouldn't have to wear the flag. That's like the libertarian, you know, agnostic approach. You don't have to cite any scripture, no moral standard. This is just this uh, this whole freedom movement, right? But but let's 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 add a little meat to it. All right, let's add a little meat to it. Let's look at what the National Hockey League, specifically this Philadelphia team, the Philadelphia Flyers, let's look at what they're promoting because that's important because you can say, well, uh, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll have a clip on this where you, where you try to compare, well, if, if the player had, not, had refused to wear this flag, then, then people wouldn't like that, right? So, so he should, they, all the players should participate in this. No, no, that's assuming all things are equal. But the reality is not all things are equal because there's a God that created us and has a set moral standard. So not all things are equal. All right. And once again, we're, we're heading on, on, a, on, a, on a, a mature topic today, but one that's worthy of discussing, and we, we got to hit on it. But homosexuality, folks, let's think about what this, what this quote, pride is about. This isn't about two people having a friendship, if you're tracking with me. This is about being proud of and promoting and bragging about very devious, immoral, and unnatural behavior, physical behavior. That's what this entire movement is rooted in, and we got to get back to that because they throw out equality, love is love. And they make it this, you know, very surface-level, acceptable movement. But at the end of the day, the fundamental aspect of the movement that is being promoted is very physical, devious, immoral, unnatural, unhealthy behavior. It's what we're promoting. They're proud of it. They want us to give them an applause for this sick behavior. And the hockey player here is saying, no. No, I'm not wearing your devious flag on my jersey because I'm here to play hockey. I'm not here to give you a high five because you like to sleep with people of the same sex. But we, we can't do that because we've got we've to affirm everybody, unless you're a Christian, of course, because we can't be a Christian and have convictions and, and you know, not want to participate in that which God's Word calls immoral. That's, uh, that's uh, bigoted. We can't do that. And so here we go uh, with a, a reporter, actually out of uh, Canada, I believe. This is um, humorously called Breakfast Television, but... 
nonetheless, this is a reporter that was uh, talking about this NHL t- hockey player and how, you know, I can't believe he didn't wear the flag, yada, yada, yada. And so uh, let's listen to uh, this reporter uh, on, on a morning show giving his analysis of how dare the hockey player not wear the rainbow flag. Let's listen. Three things, technically. Provorov also spoke to the media after the game and, and echoed what Tortorella said, so I didn't feel the need to run it. Um, this happened in baseball last year with the Tampa Bay Rays. There were five members of the Tampa Bay Rays who wouldn't wear a patch supporting gay rights. Mm-hmm. And Major League Baseball didn't do much. It was a story for a little bit. Um, John Tortorella, you know, uh, many years ago, when, um, you know, racial injustice, and it still is to the stable, when, racial, when, when Colin Kaepernick first started kneeling during National Anthem, said, anyone who does that on my team is going to sit. And he has a, he has a son who's an Army Ranger. So it's not like Tortorella in the past hasn't spoken on, on, on sensitive issues. Um, the theme from the National Hockey League is hockey is for everyone, okay? The theme is not hockey is for everyone, dot, 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 unless you don't believe in gay rights, then do whatever you want. If the National Hockey League is going to do this, if any league is going to do this, do it properly or reevaluate what you're doing. Because there's not a lot of repercussions that I'm seeing from any league. Now, it could change with the NHL. could change with the NHL. I think you find the Flyers a million dollars for this. I'm not kidding. Figure <laughs> this out and stop offending people on nights where it's not about that. It's supposed to be about inclusivity. Mm. The National Hockey League need to attack this and figure this out. Because what I heard last night was offensive and didn't make any sense. Because, for instance, if that was a military night, okay? Oh, right. If anyone in Canada or in the States on a military appreciation night wouldn't wear a jersey pregame, do you have any idea the uproar that would have happened? <laughs> do you have any idea the backlash? Do you have any idea what happened on social media? It's, it's, it's ridiculous what would have happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So so let's uh, let's compare because this is doing honor to our vets, right? <laughs> let's compare two men sleeping in the same same bed, engaging in very unhealthy behavior, unnatural, unbiblical behavior. Let's compare that to our military vets who die and bleed and and sacrifice their lives for our freedom. Because that's a, absolutely that's apples to apples. Completely equal comparison. No. No. Not all things are equal. Two men committing sodomy is not equal morally to someone fighting in a war to defend their homeland. So, no. It's not a good comparison. It's a terrible comparison. And that's why it gets to, you can't view this from this agnostic, amoral lens. Because if you do, you're going to get yourself all confused. Because you're going to find yourself running circles around things, trying to explain yourself, and you have no place to land. So if you don't land on Scripture and there's not absolute truth and there's not this thing called sin, then you'll find yourself going all over the world trying to figure out what your standard is. So so here's our standard for those who are confused. 
our standard is there's this thing called good, right, virtuous, moral, and those things should be applauded. Those things should be lifted up, such as being a patriot and serving your nation. That's a noble thing. Why? Not because I say so, but because the Bible actually talks about nationalism and talks about people in Scripture who defend their homeland, especially when your nation represents very biblical principles such as America and what we represent and what our founders represent. So there's that, and then there's other all kinds of other things that you can promote as a National Hockey League that are moral, righteous, noble things to promote. We can have a law enforcement appreciation night. You can have a cancer awareness game, right? We're trying to help people who are going through health issues. Let's uh, feed the homeless. Let's have a homeless, you know, fundraiser for the hockey league. There's all kinds, there's dozens and hundreds of things you can do and causes you can promote that are good for people, that are good for humanity. But this whole LGBTQ deviancy movement is all about promoting that which is bad, that which is evil, that which is unhealthy and bad for people. And we shouldn't be doing that. Even these leagues that are not religious leagues or churches, but don't they answer to God too? So we've got to connect all these things. We've got to, we've got to attach all of these things together and stop acting like we can separate God's word and true morality from society, from culture, from entertainment and government. You just can't separate them, folks. When you separate them or you attempt to separate them, this is what we get. This is what we get. We get a a culture where some people go to church or they go home and they they believe God's word and they study it, but when they go out in society, when they go to the public square, they try to they had this tug of war game of where does my Christianity fit into this? Well, the question is, our beliefs and God's word should fit into everything, including what the NHL does. The NHL should not be promoting sexual deviancy and behavior that is the leading cause of HIV and AIDS. If they really, if the NHL cared about people, right, genuinely cared about the well-being of others, they would not have a night, one of their teams wouldn't have a night devoted to promoting and applauding behavior which leads to illness and death and ultimate eternal damnation. So all humans created in the image of God were all accountable to God and that which we wear on our shoulder that which we promote that which we applaud we're going to have to hold it hold, hold be held accountable to we're all going to be accountable to God what did we do on this earth to promote righteousness morality biblical truth and the betterment of humanity what did we do that's going to be the question when we meet our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. At the core, we'll be back in a few.
AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the program. Glad to have you with us today on the show. It's uh, Friday edition of the Core here. We got Chris Woodward in with us with American Family News. Uh, Chris, good to have you back. Thank you very much. Busy week as always. Yes, a lot of things going on. We're uh, midway through January, and uh, we have uh, this is Sanctity of Life Month, mm-hmm. traditionally speaking. Although I might add, Chris, I make a motion that we move Sanctity of Life Month to June because that's when Roe v. Wade was overturned. Yeah, and I think you're not the first person to come up with that idea, but it is a very timely remark with March for Life going on in D.C. today. That's been a big uh, topic we've covered and will continue to cover on AFN.net. But certainly the big story has been uh, Document Gate continuing to unfold for (laughs) for one Joe Biden. I even read one interesting um, summary in USA Today this week, which is nowhere near being a a center right uh, news outlet but in their daily briefing on thursday um usa today was like this is quickly becoming a white house crisis and really you know hurts the president when it comes to uh the follow-up from the midterm election certainly 2024 for usa today which is kind of our national newspaper to refer to this as a crisis for the white house that is not good for the biden administration no it look it's terrible i mean this is terrible the whole classified documents being everywhere i mean this is this is getting up there with uh with hillary's uh email server in the bathroom yes i mean i mean that that, now that tops it but but classified documents in the garage i mean come on chris but it was a lot do you keep even your tax returns in the garage i do not i can verify (laughs) that i keep my tax returns in a locked uh in my locked house chris (laughs) I, i just gotta ask like who does this i mean this is not the janitor this is the former vice president of the u.s current president what aide thought it would be great to dolly off the U-Haul, the classified documents, and put them in the garage? Out of all places, Chris, you just can't make this stuff up. Well, and even Abe uh, pointed out Abraham Hamilton III, host of uh, the Hamilton Corner on AFR.net, shameless plug, uh, pointed out on today's issues this week that uh, lawyers were the ones that supposedly found the documents in the Penn Biden Center yeah. uh, while they were moving. And Abe was like, what lawyer moves things from an office? They don't. They're only there to review docs, review documents. Mm-hmm. And uh, good point. Yeah. What what lawyer goes, yeah, pay me, you know, pay me 500 bucks an hour to move some boxes. Two attorneys in a truck. Yeah. No, that doesn't happen. Um, the lawyers only show up if they need to review documents. And that's what they were there for. Probably others were moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were there to sign off on the move. Um, but, yeah, this is fascinating, Chris. And, and honestly... Can I just make a prediction? And others have predicted this too. But Chris, what I think happened, and this is this is putting some timelines together, a little bit of speculation, but hey, the left wing makes up stuff all the time. The media makes up stuff all the time. So I'm just going to throw out speculation. I'm not claiming anything has happened. But what I think possibly happened is that Biden's team came across the uh-oh classified documents <laughs> last year. That's actually confirmed. Last year, yes, 2022, pre-midterms is when all this went down. And then someone had the brilliant idea that, well, let's hold off this story that we just found Biden's classified documents in his garage. Mm -hmm. Let's hold off on this getting out to the media until we go down and raid Mar-a-Lago 
We'll raid Mar-a-Lago and pit the world against Donald J. Trump. We'll head off of his presidential ambitions. And then we'll drip, drip, drip after the new year Mm -hmm. about the fact that our very own commander-in-chief kept classified documents next to the Mustang. Right. (laughs) And this, to me, shows you that the uh, Democrats and the media work hand-in-hand because I I refuse to believe that someone – uh, at one of the mainstream broadcast news outlets who doesn't have many connections with the DOJ and all these other um, entities uh, did not know about this months ago. Yeah. Uh, but they chose to sit, sit on it uh, like the Biden administration and other people did uh, so that way they could get their story together and then conveniently put it out there at a different time so it doesn't hurt the president uh, <laughs> as bad as it would seem. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not a big fan of this uh, special counsel Naming special counsels, I'm really not a big fan of it. And not to mention, um, how do you name a special counsel <laughs> against your current boss? I mean, that's what happened. Garland supposedly named a special counsel uh, uh, to investigate his current boss, the current commander-in-chief. I mean, do we really – what's he going to do, recommend an indictment? I mean, this this is this is really all for show, it seems. It's, it does. I mean, obviously, for people that are not aware of this uh, – you know, the attorney general of the United States works for the president of the United States. The attorney general is nominated by whoever the sitting president is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it would be uh, someone investigating their own boss. Um, and many people, if not everybody, uh, mm-hmm. really doubts whether or not they're going to come down on hard on Joe. Uh, but match that with the fact that they're still going after Trump over the documents at locked Mar-a-Lago. Uh, you know, Joe Concha and other people have pointed out on Fox News programs and other things this week that there's no way now you can indict Trump with all the other information that we know about Biden and we can only assume is going to continue to come out. The problem is with Biden's documents is that uh, his press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, pretty much got to the point this week where she said, I'm not answering any more questions about this. (laughs) And she just started referring people to the DOJ or reading from statements from the president's personal attorney. Yeah. Well, I'm not, you know, apparently this whole classified documents uh, following former presidents is pretty actually pretty common and it sounds crazy um not saying it's great it's good to do but you know bush there's reports that bush obama hw bush clinton and others they pick and choose stuff they want to take with them and some of it may be just for historical or archival purposes Mm -hmm. uh you know this could be that you know, Biden wanted to make sure he took all the uh, 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 classified reports on his son's business deals with China right. and Ukraine, you know, take them to the garage with him, uh, quite literally. So who knows what will come out here, but we'll keep tracking it. But, yeah, no no way they can indict Trump now. No, I, I certainly don't think so. And I, I think with a lot of, you know, many people are like, well, it's a different situation because Trump had, you know, secret stuff and he was trying to prove, uh, you know, the election was stolen and all this other stuff. Biden just had things that were labeled confidential and and, uh, classified and, you know, it was just documents that he held on to as mementos or whatever. The issue is you've got a sitting president whose um, legal arm is investigating a former president over classified private documents in his possession, and then he himself has the same exact stuff but yep. we're not going to treat him the same that's that's not yeah and, and and president trump was just that he was president so he had sole declassification authority mm-hmm. and they still haven't the doj still won't say whether trump declassified the documents from mar-a-lago or not i mean it could come out during the trial or, or post-trial that 
Trump declassified the documents before he left the White House. Thus, all the, quote, marked classified documents were technically declassified. No crime, no foul, no play. But with Biden, on the other hand, he was VP. Mm-hmm. VP can't declassify. Only right. president can declassify. And so did did Obama declassify the documents? I don't know. Yeah. I You know, it, the Justice Department needs to do something about this situation because— uh, many people have given up hope in them, uh, but there are still a lot of Americans that believe uh, and you know hold them in high regard. If they just completely drop the ball on this, it's just going to ruin them for a generation. Yeah, I do want to play a clip and get your get your feedback on this. So Congress is, uh, well, they're actually debating this debt debt limit now, and I just want to warn our audience: don't don't uh, don't get uh, flustered over the debt limit talks and the the blaring headlines about the debt clock and the debt limit's been reached and we're going to run out of money. Uh, folks, Washington clearly never runs out of money. Uh, actually, the Treasury's got about uh, eight to 10 months of operating uh, reserves. They can operate uh, past technically past the debt limit uh, through what they call emergency measures, but they use them all the time. Um, so so we're good, folks. All right, Government's not going to run out of money. They can at least carry this thing until uh, well into this year. Um, So they've got months to figure this out, technically speaking, although we are technically past the debt limit. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've got this clip of what's going on in Congress. This is actually Matt Gaetz, the congressman from Florida. He's hosting a – I think he was subbing in on a podcast, and he's interviewing Representative Andy Biggs, and they're talking about how possibly Biden could be working with some Republicans on amnesty. Pretty fascinating subject. Let's listen. The rules of the House say that if 218 people sign a petition to discharge a piece of legislation from the committee process, it does not pass go, it does not collect $200, it goes straight to the floor of the House of Representatives. I predict that 212, 213 Democrats will sign a discharge petition for a clean DACA bill with no border security, and that five or six or ten liberal Republicans might join with them so that the work we do in the Judiciary Committee is diminished. How would we stop that? Well, the first thing is, I, I, you would count on Kevin McCarthy to, to stop it, but he's not going to. Why do I know he's not going to? Because we already have a member of our of our leadership team that supports uh, not just DACA amnesty, but the the, the deal devil uh, deal with the devil that you're talking about. So that ha- that's number one. Wait, who is that member of, of leadership who supports a clean DACA? Uh, I I won't, I won't say clean DACA. He's, he's, he wants to trade amnesty. That would be ah. he wants to trade amnesty for for border security. They don't even know what they want for border security. So I've got my two bills that that actually are pretty comprehensive border security. The only way you're going to be able to stop them, I'm kind of surprised they didn't do it this week, if you want the truth, Matt. Wow, week one? I thought they would do it week one. I thought they'd do it week one. Uh, Pretty fascinating discussion there a couple Mm -hmm. weeks ago. That's Andy Biggs, Chris. But, you know, this this wouldn't surprise me, Chris. I mean, we've got Democrats running the Senate. Right. Uh, We've got a large portion of Democrats in the House, although they're not technically running it. And then you have some rhino or moderate or liberal-leaning Republicans, although that seems like an oxymoron, but Mm -hmm. they're there. Um, this this is very possible, Chris. Yeah, I would say it's very possible, uh, if not likely. Uh, the reason I say that is because when it comes to like the same-sex marriage bill uh, that we had at the end of 2022, obviously a number of uh, Senate Republicans cited uh, with Democrats to get that through. It had already passed the House with support from some Republicans. So uh, on an issue like immigration, I would see something similar to that happening where Republicans cross the aisle to vote with their Democratic colleagues. Uh, 
and I'll say that also because we know for years, uh, really, uh, groups like the Chamber of Commerce and agricultural groups, special interests, have pushed for immigration reform uh, so that way workers can, quote unquote, come out of the shadows and help, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, work in fields or work in various uh, positions uh, and they'll contribute to the economy uh, and add to the workforce and we'll start uh, better funding social um programs entitlement programs and stuff like that so i could i could see that happening uh very quickly uh this year mm-hmm. yeah so we'll continue to monitor that we got to keep an eye on on congress and what they're going to do during this lame duck session uh with president biden um <clears throat> uh the other story i want to want to get to chris is um the fact that we've got uh, congressional republicans over all these committees now and um uh, Actually, to uh, Representative Kevin McCarthy's credit, he's named some pretty pretty staunch conservative representatives over some of these committees. I mean, you got Jim Jordan over judiciary, uh, you got Thomas Massey from Kentucky over uh, the new uh, church uh, style committee mm-hmm. investigating uh, government surveillance, etc. Yeah. So some pretty good things going on in Congress. At least we're going to get some answers. You know, I'll, I'll be honest with our audience. You're not going to see good legislation that you like go through Congress. Um, if anything, we can stop some of the bad stuff. Maybe get a little bit decent budget out of the out of the deal, but we can at least do subpoenas, and we can at least figure out with uh, the whole COVID mania um, and the Wuhan virus and the Biden business deals. We can find out a lot of answers through subpoena power with congressional uh, committees. Yeah, um, that's that's 100 percent true. Some people, critics, really have said, "Well, it's it's not going to lead to anything because then you have the Senate and they're not going to take up stuff and really do this." But there is a big Senate election just around the corner where many Democrats are facing um, an uphill battle to try to get re-election and to retain the majority in the House. Or Uh, the majority in the Senate, excuse me. So this will do a couple of things. Republicans in the House will deliver on their promises that, hey, put us in, we're going to investigate these things, we're going to bring people in, we're going to question them, put them under oath, stuff like that. And it also forces uh, senators to have to address this uh, and be ready to give a response to voters that are going to say, I want to know what you think about this because the election's just right around the corner. So this will theoretically help Republicans trying to get Senate seats as well uh, and hopefully get more information out there to the public. As far as Jordan and others uh, being put on these committees, it, I think, explains a little bit better why we witnessed the McCarthy drama that we did uh, and maybe why some people voted the way they did. Uh, Jordan probably had it, uh, you know, in, in writing, so to speak, uh, early on saying, hey, I'll vote for McCarthy because I'm going to do this. And then the others were holding out because they wanted uh, action on the debt. They yes. wanted things investigated <laughs> and stuff like that. And that might give us a better sense of why we went through like five days or whatever it was yeah. of McCarthy having 11 billion votes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, there's like 15. It was, I lost it was, count. I think it was second, the second longest. I think yes. one of them back in like long time ago went like a hundred plus votes pretty fascinating stuff uh thanks chris thank you for coming on well a lot of things going on in our country and we hope you brought you we brought you some insight all from a biblical perspective don't forget to check out our news site american family news afn.net afn.net they got a podcast too they publish a newscast several times a day in the form of a podcast so you can get the news in about four or five minutes there with the American Family uh, uh, Newscast, AFN.net. Go there, check it out. Thanks for joining the core. We'll see you next week.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.